0: Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor since 1973. The NBA and NHL season's in full swing. Swing SeatGeek, smartest, easiest way to get tickets to your favorite team's games. Buy and sell tickets in just two taps on your phone. Everything fully guaranteed. I found out this week that my mom uses SeatGeek to buy opera tickets and... Which is amazing because she is the the technologically most inefficient person that I know and loves SeatGeek and gets great deals. They have a revolutionary grading system. Try it out. Download the SeatGeek app today or go right to SeatGeek.com. We were also brought to you by the Ringer NBA show. I went on there yesterday, Monday, with Chris Vernon and broke down the Boogie Cousins trade for 56 action-packed thrilling minutes and made the case that it was, as unbelievable as it seems, the best possible deal they could have made, since there were no other real suitors. Check that out. The Ringer NBA Show. Subscribe now. And obviously, we're brought to you by The Ringer, where uh, you can read my column every Friday, including the trade deadline on Thursday. I'm sure I'll have something on Friday. And it's one of the reasons we have this guy here, because I'm fascinated by what it's like for a player as the trade deadline approaches. J.J. Reddick coming up right now. J.J. Reddick, um, you were traded at the trade deadline once.
1: Yeah, 2.59 p.m.
0: 2.59 p.m.? About a minute to spare. Did you know you were going to get traded that week, or were you, did you think there was a chance? Like, What's the process? Are you just refreshing
1: the internet all the time? What are you doing? It was weird, because going back to the summer before, um, we had a new coach, Jacques Vaughn. We had a new GM, Rob Hennigan. So I met with Rob that summer and I was just like, hey man, if you can just kind of keep me in the loop as things are happening. I I was an expiring deal at the time. I think it was like a $6.2 million expiring deal, which at the time, you know, with the salary cap was a a typical sort of contract that that would get traded, especially in a rebuilding situation like we were in. So like with a month to go before the deadline, uh... You know, Rob and I talked, and I was like, you know, I would like to be here. i like to kind of see this rebuild through. And he said, all right, you know, I, I, I think that's an option for us too. Uh, then with about like a week to go, um, I knew there were a few teams, Milwaukee, Detroit. Um, you guys weren't playing that well either. San Antonio. Yeah. We were terrible that yeah. year. Uh, San Antonio was another team. So there's like a few teams that were, that were interested in me. Um, we were in Dallas the day of the trade deadline, and we decided to stay over. So we're sitting at the hotel, and Arne, telling my agent at the time, called me, and he's like, "You're safe. You're not getting dealt." Oh no! And I said, "Great." So I get on the bus. We get to the airport. Uh, as soon as we get to the airport, there's there's always two buses. First bus is the players' bus, coach's bus. We always get to get off first. For some reason, they let the other bus off, which is like the training staff, you know, Fox Sports people. Uh, so they're getting on the on the plane first, and I'm like, this is this is a little weird. And then as the players started getting off the bus, they they kind of just started holding guys back. It was like Josh McRoberts, Ish Smith, Gustavo Ayan. and I was like, fuck, something's going down. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Arn called me like as I'm waiting there. It's one of four guys, and he's like, it's uh, it's looking like Milwaukee. And then at about literally at 2:59 p.m. Eastern time uh, Rob called me and said, Hey, uh, we just traded you to Milwaukee. And, uh, so it was a nerve wracking, uh, week leading up. And then it was a, it was a nerve wracking sort of 24 hours. And even when you feel safe as a player, you're still, I'm not like refreshing my Google alerts, but like, you're still on Hoopsype, You're still on Twitter, like trying to figure out, is there anything going on? You're talking to your agent, uh, just about every day, uh, which I will continue to do this week. And, um, It's nerve wracking, though. So, you knew a couple years ago,
0: you knew there was a better chance you might get traded than like this trade deadline, but you're still in the mix. Like, you can't feel 100% (laughs) safe. Who knows? I I don't think I've ever felt
1: 100% safe.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, the first year with the Clippers, you must have felt safe because Doc
1: was (laughs) building a whole offense around you running off picks and stuff. Well, my first year with the Clippers, I was hurt. Um, I broke my wrist. Earlier in the year, when I came back, I played about 10 games. Then I had a back injury. So I was out at the deadline. Um, that day, similar situation. We were on the plane. Uh, I can't remember where we were headed, but we were on the plane and we're all in the player's cabin refreshing Twitter. <laughs> and there's this like trade that's supposed to go down between a few of our guys and a few of the Knicks guys centered around Amon Schumpert. And, uh, it's like we're getting real time info from you know the Mark Steins and the WoGes of the world, and uh, Doc's like thirty feet away on the phone. This it was it was the most surreal thing ever. Ultimately, uh, there weren't any major trades. I think we we dumped B.J. Mullins and, and Jamison in, in sort of salary dump, but yeah, there wasn't a major trade.
0: Is it weird that Doc? Is it weird as a player that Doc is your coach, but is also the guy who's
1: ultimately going to have final say on who gets traded? It is. It's a weird thing. Uh, I felt like the first probably two years, it was. It was. Uh, it was a little different. Um, he's surrounded himself now in the front office with a lot of great people, and Lawrence Frank is up there now. And yeah, he's. I guess sort of the de facto guy now, um, and he's taken some of the responsibility off Doc, but. I had never experienced that before, so it was it was definitely surreal those first couple years. So if he yells at you in practice, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> no, a go trade machine. No, it's interesting. I mean, that's listen, uh, that's ultimately like why we have the judicial system and the legislative branch and and yeah. the, the executive branch is checks and balances. Right. Um, so you need people like around you if you're going to take on that role like like a few guys have in this league like like Bud and. uh pop and, and Tibbs like if you're gonna have that role you need good people around you so Carmelo it becomes out that Carmelo might get dealt
0: and that it's only the Clippers the Cavs yeah. or the Celtics and everybody just including myself just starts making up trades left and right <laughs> and with the Clippers it's like they, they for whatever reason they're on the record saying we wouldn't trade any DeAndre Chris or Blake for Carmelo that's off the table I don't even know how that got reported but somehow that became fact. I don't know where it came from. So then everybody's looking at like the Rivers contract. Jamal Crawford. Yeah. You.
1: My name got thrown in
0: There's there. There's not yeah. a lot of contracts that can add up to what it would take to get Carmelo back. So are you, you are you aware cuz you're trying to play. You're playing four games a week basically. Are you aware of all this as it's going on or you're trying to tune
1: it out? You're you're trying to tune it da- tune it out. But at this point to have your name in a trade like a trade rumor, you've you've learned by now that uh, until you actually get the call, hey, you've, you've been traded, it it really doesn't matter. It's like it's like worrying about a hypothetical. You just can't get caught up in that. But it's hard not to be aware. We were playing in um in Golden State uh, the week, sort of the, those few days when this was like heavy in the news, this yeah. Clippers Knicks thing, and uh, you know I'm going out for for warm-ups before the game with, like, 50 on the clock doing my shooting routine, and I have, like, four Warriors fans. I hope you like it in New York. You're out of here, Reddick. So, <laughs> trying to pretend you're not yeah, listening to yeah, them. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I, you know, you can't really tune that out when they're 10 feet away from you. Right.
0: Well, I mean, you know, this how many years have you been in the Clippers now? Four? It's my fourth year, yeah. And this has been this run where it never all came together every year there's yeah. been a hiccup or a stumble and the best chance you had was that rocket series when you're up what 25 in game 5 and it looks like it's done i went to that game the rockets were hard and checked out 19. he was done or I 19 whatever it was, whatever it, was. it was
1: game 6 but it was 19 yeah we we uh, was it game 6 or game 5 it was game 6 cuz we we went back to oh Houston yeah you for could have won five. game yeah, yeah, had, yeah that's at right. home court yeah so we had game 6 at our place blake made a 360 layup in the third quarter and I remember looking over at the bench, and you know everybody's celebrating, and I'm like, "Oh, it's a party in here!" Like, and then they bench Harden in the fourth quarter. Harden, Harden <sighs> checked out. I yeah. love Harden. I'm it, a huge Harden defender, and but he checked out in that it game. Was the, the Josh Smith and Corey Brewer game. But you know, even like last year um, and, and this year, if I'm being if I'm being honest, it, it's tough to evaluate our team, right? Um, because you know that. Our four man group, and then Luke as well. Like, our our net rating is is you know as good as any five man unit I think, except for the Warriors. And yeah. so, to to sort of evaluate us uh, when we're healthy is one thing, but we've just had Chris and Blake have just been in and out of the lineup, uh, and then of course last year in the playoffs they're they're gone after you know the third or fourth quarter of game four. So,
0: what do you think was the best Clippers team of all those of the four you've been on? Or what what did you feel
1: like was the highest ceiling team? Um pr- probably the first 2 years and, and the first year we lost to OKC. We had a chance to win game 5 at their place, uh game 6 at home. Um you know, it was it was a kind of a devastating loss in game 5. We were yeah. we we're up I think 11 with like 4 minutes to go. We lose. Um Game six, uh, I didn't even realize this until I watched the game a couple years ago. But we were up like nineteen in the first half, yeah. And they came. Kevin Durant had an unbelievable second quarter. He came back, and they beat us. Um, But that was before the Warriors were the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, San Antonio ended up winning that year, so that you know, I'm not saying we would have beat San Antonio in the next round, but that was a, a chance for us. And then the following year was before the Warriors were this this juggernaut. They were really good. They won 67 games. They won it all, but. I, I still think that year in the in the conference finals, we would have had a shot against them. We well, you beaten them the year before. We'd beaten them nice. in the playoffs the year before.
0: In which actually turned series. out to be the best thing that happened to them. They went through <laughs> that Game 7, and I don't know. They got good Game 7, this is what it's like, reps, that I think really helped them the next year. The problem with the year after, I thought your best team was the year that Houston knocked you out yeah. just because of how well Blake was playing. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the best I've ever seen Blake play. I, I remember writing at the time. I thought he was that spring, the third best player in the league. And he's never, you know, whether injuries, whatever it start. it feels like it's starting to come back for him. But, uh, but I, I like the way you matched up with the team. The problem is the bench, they he had to play everybody so many minutes, like the top six. And I really thought that that game six against Houston, that's when it wore
1: out. Blake was dead in the second half of that game. Blake and I talked about that. Yeah. We, well, going back to the first round series, we had a, a seven-game slugfest with the yeah. Spurs, which was as tough a series as I've played in my career. And Blake and I have talked about this, but I remember in game seven... In Houston in the fourth quarter, like coming out of a timeout. And it, at the time, it was maybe like a seven or eight point game and just being like, oh, my God, I You're have just nothing done. in the tank. Yeah. And after the game, I talked to Blake. He's like, "I felt the same way." He's like, "I neither of us had ever really felt that before." You know, you yeah. just feel like you have nothing left physically right. in the tank. Um, well, for you, that's
0: that's murder because you need your legs to. Yeah, you're running. It was around, tough for me that screens. series too
1: because you know I was I was tasked I was the main guy tasked with guarding Harden, so I yeah. had to guard Harden and then also uh, you know run circles on offense. Right. <laughs> And guarding Harden is basically every play. You just kind of it's try to get play. in his way as yeah, he does I his mean, crazy stuff. There, there's there's a strategy to it, but it, it doesn't work very well. He's, he's he's pretty damn good. Is he your biggest nightmare to guard, or you don't um, want to give anybody the? Uh, we have Luke now, so the last two oh, that's years true. Luke has his matched up. Because I don't uh, imagine even it. how.
0: First of all, he, all the other stuff he does, the fact that he's lefty. Mm-hmm. I always feel like the lefties are the most, my dad is like the all time fan of lefties. He feels like as guys get tired, you kind of just forget, like there'll be some brain fart where you're like, Oh yeah, I forgot. (laughs) And he's already going by you. But, uh, he's so unconventional. I don't know how you would stop it.
1: Yeah. The only other guy that, that was like him was Ginobili in his prime. Right. And those are two of the toughest guys that I've had to guard in my career. Um, you know, I've had to guard Kobe and Dwayne Wade. You know, my position, and those guys in their prime were unbelievable. Um, but there is something about the quirkiness of of Ginobili and Harden's game that right. is is really challenging.
0: Yeah, I remember when Harden got traded. I remember writing something about he could be the Manu on this OKC team, and like his destiny is like kind of a better version of Manu. I never expected him to be what he became. I, I don't think there were. I don't think many people did. I don't think many people I did. never would have guessed he was going to be one of the five best guys it in the seemed, league.
1: It's weird because it seemed like at the time it was a great role for him yeah. in OKC. Like where he he starred in that role. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like he he was a star in his, in his role and then he became a top three player right. within the span of two years.
0: He was such a weapon because he could just win a game by himself potentially or... They didn't need him at all. Yeah. You know, and Durant and Westbrook could do it. It's funny because you've had had these Clipper seasons where it's just like the bad luck season. or Oh, man. why? But yet, in Orlando in 09, it was the opposite. It was like the everything could go right all the way to the finals thing where it just (laughs) kind of came together perfectly. So you Uh, felt that, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say everything went right because Jameer was an all-star that year and he got hurt right before the all-star game. He, He tore his labrum and had surgery good point and we, picked up, ray we, we picked up ray for alston uh, i always like to say like our our rotation that year was ray for alston courtney lee turk richard dwight and then off the bench was anthony johnson myself beatrice and gortat like that was the team that got it's us a nice to the team. finals yeah it was, it was i mean it's it's nine deep at least yeah it was a, it was a deep team um garnett was hurt that year that's, Which Paul likes to Pierce likes to remind me of. Well, on he's a daily right. basis. That was the
0: best Celtics team. I yeah. think they were like thirty-five and five when KG got hurt.
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It was a great team. And uh, and then you know the 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 first game one against Cleveland, we're down like twenty-two in the first half. Yeah, that place is so loud. Um, and I'm thinking, oh god, we don't have a sh- we don't we don't have a shot yeah, against these guys. Out. We won that game, and. Uh, and really, just like we we played unbelievable that series. Then we had some. I, I honestly we had some bad luck in the finals, though. I mean, Courtney Lee missed a layup that could have sent it to to or won it at the end of regulation in Game Two. Um, game Four broke our backs. We're up eighty seven, eighty two with forty seconds to go, and Dwight at the free throw line. Somehow that game goes to overtime, and we lose it. And well, you had the Derek Fisher three was Derek the Fisher moment. Three.
0: I don't know. I think it was Jameer. Somebody didn't come out on him in time. It was Jameer. Yeah. yeah. I love Jameer, but it was Jameer. That was a tough one. <laughs> Jame- Jameer is now having a, his third renaissance in Denver. Oh, he's great. He's
1: like kicking ass. He's, he's like oh, no. my He age. can play, man. He can play.
0: Yeah. I think that Lakers Magic Series was way closer and way more yeah. dangerous for the Lakers than anyone seems to remember now, uh-huh. which happens sometimes. Like Jalen and I used to talk about the 2000 finals. The Lakers' first championship. That was the Philly one. It was it was Indiana the, versus. Indiana. Um, yeah, it was
1: Indiana. I remember watching. In Indiana, that, that was
0: yeah. it was way close. It was two two, or it was two no, it was two one, but then it goes into overtime. Game four in Indy, Shaq fouls out. Kobe has to put the team on his back. It was the first time he'd ever done it. Yeah. The game six was super close. Jalen still feels like the officials robbed them, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, those the oh nine magic, LeBron was at. The peak of his early powers, and that's it I think he was like thirty thirty seven and twelve or something he was like he had crazy 12 numbers and eight.
1: it was every time every game too it was consistent he played well he played well but
0: that the team he had around him you could just the yeah. dwight thing was was i mean that's about as good as dwight's been in terms of rebounding blocking shots, not caring if you're running plays for him he's just doing all the stuff that you'd ever
1: want from dwight in a playoff series and 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 still average like 25 like he 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 was so good he didn't have to have plays called for him we could just run that spread pick and roll surround him with shooters and it worked it's interesting that deandre has embraced what
0: dwight never totally embraced which is like just just rebound and block shots and and dunk alley-oops and set picks and you're you're a devastating center but if we're posting you up now you're hurting us because you're not a great post-up player and we have better offensive players around you. De- Doc came in and just immediately was like, DeAndre, this
1: is how we're using
0: you. It's, and it, and he embraced it.
1: It's been a good sort of uh, working partnership between Doc and, and DJ. I mean, the I, the year before Doc came, uh, DJ didn't play in the fourth quarters. Oh, yeah. they just He averaged like I went 24, 25 minutes a game, something yeah. like that. Um I mean, he always, I guess, showed potential, you know, from, from afar, from a distance, watching the Clippers play, you know, he's got potential, but um, three years later, he's first-team All-NBA, he's on the Olympic team, now right. he's an All-Star four years later. I think That's, he's been
0: terrific this been season. Great. I yeah. was saying,
1: I think, said a couple of weeks ago, I think he's the most underrated player in the league now.
0: Really? Yeah, I do. I, I don't think people realize how good he's been and what a just a consistent force he is. And it's also the way the league has shifted there's not a lot of big guys left who can yeah. stay out there and do all the things he can do without hurting their team right. in some way. Like I think Detroit's really struggled with Drummond. Like how do we use this guy? How yeah. do we use the good parts of him right. and cover up the parts that aren't as good?
1: I think for maybe a, an old school traditional NBA fan, uh, guys like DJ and, and Drummond are, are frustrating to them because they, you can't just throw, the, throw them the ball on the block and they go right. score. That's just not who they are. But in today's NBA, those guys are as valuable as anybody. The guys that are that are true fives, defend the rim, are mobile enough to get out and, and cover, pick and rolls, and then offensively they just roll to the rim every time. I mean that's that's really the value because shooting is, is is valued and then you need a big guy who rolls and has that thread of a lob to create space for shooting. That's why I like
0: New Orleans Noel if he can stay yeah. in the court. There was like this two week window where I thought the Celtics were going to steal him, and he would just would have been awesome with Isaiah. Like, imagine covering Isaiah and Nerlens Noel on a on a high screen and roll, and he's never been in that situation. But now Philly knows that he's good;
1: they're not trading him. (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) it's going to be interesting though because he has a lot of value, yeah. And there's a lot of teams that could really, really use him, and he could end up being a a star like in in the same way that DJ is. Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
0: Do you feel like this is? the last dance for the clips you feel like everybody's on this team next year because you yeah blake is a free agent if chris is a free agent you're a free agent and like you know th- because of all the injuries
1: nothing you- would surprise me <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean if you told me that four years from now like we're all still playing together i'd be like ah, i could see uh i could see that happening yeah um I mean, if you told me that one of us leave, two of us leave, I, I could see that happening too. Um, I think a lot of it does depend on what happens in the playoffs, and that's ultimately, you know, where we've been judged and will where we'll be judged at the end of the season.
0: It's not going to be as easy this year because because all the injuries. You're going to be a five or a six seed, probably. Yeah, I mean, Which realistically, you got to go on the road.
1: It's, it's going to be tough. I mean, we'd love to get in that third seed, but. I think we're four four back uh, in the loss column, three or four back in the loss column with Houston right now. Um, you know we're we're battling right now for first round home court. Uh, you need you Utah. need to,
0: you need injuries on a team that's not your team. <laughs> you need like it's you <laughs> can had harden most of the bad can luck. harden
1: have an ankle injury, yeah, nothing serious, string, nothing serious. <laughs> I don't want it, I would never wish a serious injury on anyone or like mono or something like a yeah, two week yeah. mono bout.
0: The uh, the Rockets are fascinating to me because they need to make one more trade. They need one more perimeter guy. And if they get them, if they get that guy and I don't know who it is, then you know, I think you and the your your team and the and the Rockets are the two teams that could game the system against the Warriors a little bit. You, you know? don't
1: think the Spurs? Well, the Spurs are the
0: Spurs. I would yeah. never I think the Spurs they're over here. Like I yeah. they, they can obviously go toe to toe. The Rockets can just kind of shoot threes and get hard and hot and just be funky and unconventional. And then you guys, you've played the the Warriors so many times. There's a familiarity that I think is a real thing. I feel advantage. like right now
1: there's a familiarity with us getting our asses. kicked. Well, that's though. that's been recent. Like, <laughs> they've completely dominated us. Yeah. Uh, I think we won. Jeez, man, two seasons ago on Christmas Day. You haven't had your whole team and though. haven't haven't beaten them since.
0: Yeah. Um, I was surprised there was a Thursday night game about a month ago that it just, there, there was not a lot of fight in the Clippers. And that was, that was the
1: game at Golden State or was that the home game? It was the home game. The home game. Yeah. There was
0: the, it was, there was no fight and that, that made me
1: think was like, that, it was the high scoring one. We yeah. scored a lot, but yeah. I think the, I think the Warriors had like 128 offensive efficiency night or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. You need, when's Chris come back? Soon. Sooner than people realize. It t- <laughs> Breaking news. No, he'll be back very soon.
0: It turns out that when Chris Paul is out there, it's probably better for you
1: guys. That's one of my expert yeah. opinions. Yeah. It's
0: nice to have the, yeah. the best point guard of the league on your nice team. It's nice to have,
1: yeah, one of the five to ten best players in the world. You yeah. could argue that you survived. This could have been worse. I think we did fine. Blake, the first game back, I think, was the Philly game at Philly. We lost. Yeah. Blake was, you know, getting his rhythm. Since that game, he's been unbelievable. I mean, Nobody, I don't know what his nobody's numbers talking are. About it. Yeah. I don't know what his numbers are, but if I had to guess, 27, 8, and 5. Yeah. 26, 9, and 5. I mean, he's been unbelievable the last seven or eight games. And he's also trying to dunk on people
0: again. Mm-hmm. I feel like his swagger is back. His his basketball swagger yeah. is back a little bit. And it was gone from the hand injury last year. And even when he, you know, last year just crossed off. But this year, I didn't feel like he was totally Blake. And now I feel like, oh man, this guy's starting to look like the guy from 2015. Yeah, a little bit.
1: Yeah, That's he's getting it back. I, but it, a lot of it, I, th- I think you're right. A lot of it is injuries, and I think t- part of it too was when he came back from the hand injury. First of all, he wasn't he wasn't right. His his quad yeah. tendon wasn't right. But there was um, there there was that hand. What happened with that with the hand injury and what happened in Toronto? I think that 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 kind of hung over him a little bit. Yeah, and it affected his. Not necessary his psyche, but maybe his demeanor where well, he, he took a he I, took a ton of shit for it I, he couldn't be himself, you yeah. know and I, um and I, I just feel like he's he's gotten over that and he's he's back to being who he is yeah, did we ever figure out why the other teams don't like him
0: <laughs> what is your what's your take on that it's there's there's a couple guys every year that the other teams are just like they just seem like they try to fuck with them, and it's been that way with Blake for five years.
1: I feel like there's a few guys on our team that are like that.
0: (laughs) I mean, you had that going back to college, right? Yeah. Guys trying to chip you and cheap shot you and help you coming off picks, trying to get you off your game.
1: I feel like I brought that on myself. So a little bit of that is just like (laughs) guys bring that on themselves. Like, like, I mean, I've said this before and like, I love him to death. uh, But, you know, like Chris Paul does not shut up. Like he's just talking all the time. And so... You know, I think if you're playing against them, you're like, "Oh my god, like what? The, what? You just want to SWAT them, <laughs> yeah. yeah?" So it 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 can rub you the wrong way. I think that is
0: the biggest flaw of the Clippers. If you get everybody back and you're healthy, on paper, this is the best Clippers team. Mm-hmm. Just because you have oh, yeah. you have a better bench. Yeah. The the bitching to the refs, you don't <laughs> do it as much, but it starts with that. I, I don't think I have a technical this year. That's fantastic. Yeah. But Bo- meanwhile Boogie has like eighteen. <laughs> yeah. But I've made it it will knock on wood. It's if if I'm a referee and I have the I'm like, oh, I got the clippers Wednesday night. It's gonna suck. Doc's gonna be yelling at me from the first minute. Chris is gonna be yelling at me all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to officiate Blake. Blake's like the hardest guy in the league to figure out whether it was right. a flagrant or just a conventional foul. And I'm just this, this is gonna suck. Right. That would be my that would be my attitude as the ref. I have to be very careful when
1: discussing anything I regarding know. the referees. But I would just say they're they're human beings. Yes, they're human beings with with feelings. They're sensitive, just yeah. like any other human being. And uh, they take. Stuff I think first, you want to be. I think you want to be treated with respect, and it goes both ways. It really does. It goes both ways, and. Uh, well, Doc, Doc did this in Boston,
0: too. And I always felt yeah. like it became a disadvantage to the Celtics. He just takes bad calls really personally. Yeah. He gets very upset. And I don't know. It's almost like you guys should make a pact.
1: Like, hey. We've tried. I think Doc. <laughs> you tried? No. We've tried almost every year. Doc made an announcement to the media like uh, maybe like six weeks ago. So he got thrown out of two games yeah. in, in like a two-week period. One and of them, he got super mad. Yeah. Yeah. And then so he... he you know what? I think he got kicked out of a third game in November. It was yeah. in Brooklyn. Then he got kicked out against the Wizards. Oh yeah, you got... guys lost that Brooklyn game. I was mad because
0: we, Cause we get... had the Celtics have their pick. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Did Doc get thrown <laughs> out of this Brooklyn game? Brooklyn was really our well. pick? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, now they're nine and forty-seven. <laughs> yeah. I think you're all right. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he made this announcement. Like uh, he just said, like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna cut back on the referees, and and uh, if I do get a technical, I'm I'm gonna give the money to charity. Uh, you know, in addition to what already goes to charity, our technicals yeah. out of our double contracts. Up. Yeah, so he's going to double up. Um, I think he's been better. I'm not really sure. I don't really, I don't keep track of Doc's technicals necessarily. Um, he's not better. but uh, He's not I better just, at all. Uh, you know, it's, I don't necessarily think it's the the worst flaw of our team, but it's it's a flaw of our team. You it's know, it's, be- it's become a bigger flaw because
0: all the fans at the home games have now, Taken on the same kind of mental energy. And it's like, it's honestly no different than going to some of my daughter's soccer games and the parents on the, our sidelines good. Some of the parents on the other sidelines that are just, they think everything's a foul and it's just this constant yeah. hysteria. And I've noticed it at the Clipper games, like the fans,
1: yeah.
0: it's like, Hey, the Clippers aren't going to get every call.
1: It's, it's going to go back and forth. I think it's just part of the culture though of sports in general is, is just like, people losing their minds wanting to yeah wanting to place blame on something like yes it'd be oh the refs were terrible like people will say that to me after games and i'll be like Where are they? Right. Uh, the, were they you right were they terrible i don't i i don't know i just feel like they made some calls like some were good some were bad like well, that how is that different from any other game
0: you know the, the three-point revolution is just the greatest thing that ever ha- like you might play till you're 48 <laughs> Because at some point when, you, when you're going to be too old to just be running around screens all day, yeah. you could still just sit in the corner and just shoot threes, right? That's
1: yeah. another five years of your career. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I want to continue down that, that Do road. Do it. Go but, to 48.
0: I think Ray Allen you know, could be playing right now.
1: I, I So, first of all, I, I, I never really imagined that I'd be doing this at 32. And right. Uh, I'm, I'm in year 11. I'd love, I'd love to get to 15. I'd love to get to well, you fifteen. T- you stay in good shape. It's yeah. gonna happen. Yeah, um, I'm a little too vain to ever get out of shape, so like I, I stay in shape. <laughs> I'm admitting that, uh, but no, it's. So, I'd like to get to fifteen, and then we'll see what happens from there. Um, but I, I, I feel like I have four more good years in me, and then we'll see how my body feels. Has your game changed at all with the
0: way the actual sport has changed? Or are you doing the same things you were doing seven years ago? What is there any one thing that's changed about how you think about when you're on the court? Spots you go to
1: or flow of it or anything um well when i played for stan you know it was very pick and roll heavy yeah so it was i was either doing one of two things i was either spotting up in one of the corners or uh i was i was involved in the pick and roll and you know i didn't get to run as much as like turk or jameer but i did get to run pick and rolls and then and now with doc it's more catch and shoot for me but the one the one thing i i stole this from bradley beal and uh and now guys are stealing it from me but the i i call it the throw and go yeah and so basically you know you have the ball on the wing or up top and you throw it to the big and most of the time you throw it to the big and you you know most guys stand or they go away they go cut away and go screen for somebody Um, but you know, I, I throw it to the big and then I run right and get it. And so it's almost like a pick and roll. It's the same action. Yeah. Except I have a, I have a head start on my defender because he's not expecting it. Um, the throw and go, throw and go. Bradley Beal. I stole it from Bradley Beal. Yeah. Bradley Beal is becoming a force
0: Yeah. and there's not, it's funny. There's not a lot of guys. Like you could almost become the guru for these guys to teach them how to run around and do these little tricks because the warriors are obviously Kevin great Garnett had it.
1: this whole conversation with me in the weight room like two weeks ago about how I should charge younger players in the offseason money so I can teach them my tricks I have somebody for you that it was you a valid I it was actually I was like I mean I'd probably do that for free but no no no. he was like you $25,000 for a week <laughs> After one summer you'll have an extra three hundred grand, I'll be like, ah You know what? I feel like that's kind of cheating. But okay. I mean I will consider it. I have the guy for you.
0: Who is that? Malik Monk on Kentucky. Oh God. If you if you made a deal with him where you get two percent of all his future income. Because <laughs> right now Tate and I Tate's host our college basketball yeah. podcast. Malik Monk, who I think has a chance to be really, really special potentially. Yeah. But on Kentucky just stands there. They, they don't run him around on picks. Yeah. Their point guard has the ball all the time. And sometimes he just disappears from the offense and he just stands there. And I'm, and the key for him at the next level, because he's like a 6'3 shooting guard, yeah. basically. But magical footwork and 25-foot range, if he learns how to do the circle, run around picks, the throw and goes, all that stuff, yeah. the guy's going to be unstoppable. Yeah. But if he doesn't learn that stuff, I think he's there's a lot of guys like him. You know,
1: You have to figure out, when you're a great shooter, you have to figure out, ways to get your shot off uh in, in tight spaces. Yeah. And ways to sort of create that separation. And it's different for everybody. Um, you know, certain guys like Clay is great in the catch and shoot, but what makes Clay so good is he's big. Yeah. He's six six. He he doesn't jump particularly high on his shot. He just he's big. And so he he's able to shoot over guys. Devin Booker's a little bit the same way. Uh you know, he's got some really good one-on-one moves, but he's a, he's a bigger guy, you know, so he shoots over, you know, six, three guards. Um, you know, Beal is like, Beal's like the total package. Yeah. He's a total yeah. package. He can play and pick and roll. Uh, he, you know, he does the throw and go, him and wall have this great combination, uh, in, in transition where like literally walls throwing like three quarter court cross court passes. Right. And he's hitting Bradley Beal in stride for transition threes. Like, so, you know, he's, he's a guy that kind of does it all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one thing to be a, be able to shoot and make shots, but you got to figure out how to do that in an NBA game with, with scouting and with guys in your shit. The wizards are on my radar. Cause
0: the Celtics match up terribly with them. They also have one trade to make, but the the Beal Wall thing, they get Beal. The, what's, what's
1: the what's uh, the the seeds right now? Celts
0: are Celts are close to Cleveland. I mean, they're like yeah, two so and it's a half. So two, back. and
1: then Wizards are Wizards,
0: three. If you go like the last two months, the records, yeah. the Wizards, yeah, 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 yeah. Celtics are yeah. like they're two of the top three. But so the, that could
1: be a potential second round matchup.
0: Yeah, and it's a bad one for the Celtics because yeah. they have nowhere to hide Isaiah against the Wizards. You know, they, you. You can't put Isaiah on Wall. You can't put him on Beal, so you got to put him on Otto Porter, Obre, whoever's out there, which is a problem if if those guys can just shoot over him. And then they try to get him in pick and rolls to try to put him on Beal over and over again, and it's an issue. I mean, you got you. Do the Wizards
1: wear black to every game? No, that that was just that one. (laughs) Do they do they wear black to every game? That's serious. Well, the Celtics have assumed
0: the Blake Griffin identity of they have all these feuds with all these teams now. It's like. No matter who they play, there's bad blood with something that <laughs> happens somewhere and they love it too. So every time they play against somebody, it's like a playoff game now in the in the Eastern Conference. I, I love it though, man. It's you good. Got,
1: you gotta have well, you gotta figure out a way to have your edge. Like if that's yeah. what it is, if you have to create these controversies and these disputes to get your edge, then do
0: it, man. Well, you gotta get that edge back against the Warriors. Yeah. The clips, it needs to just be a very physical you know, we're not rolling over. It's weird. This we, next it's time. weird, and
1: I, maybe this this it was like this in the NBA when when um when Jordan was playing. But I just feel like the last like two years, it's it's it all comes down. Can they? Can you beat the Warriors? Can yeah. you beat the Warriors? Whereas like five years ago, you know, you had you always are going to have a handful of teams, five or six teams that have a legit chance. But it wasn't that one team where you're like, you know, everything Cleveland is doing is can we beat the Warriors? Right. You know, the whole conversation about us. No matter what we do in the regular season, no matter if we get to the conference finals or not, it's can we beat the Warriors?
0: Well, you came on my HBO show and you were saying like, I don't care that they got Durant. I'm, I'm still, I, I still feel like our team is whatever. Do you, have you changed your tune on that one? No, I,
1: I, I haven't changed my tune. I mean, I obviously respect their team, like in yeah. terms of a talent level, their ability. They're obviously they're great. They're a great team, um, but this notion that nba players are like scared of other teams or scared right. of other guys care? like we wouldn't be nba players if we were scared of other guys i'm right. not, we're not intimidated i'm not intimidated by anyone yeah that doesn't make any sense that's a, you, i wouldn't be in where college we in college were you ever intimidated no i was always just the shit talking cocky little white kid i mean yeah. that's who i that's was that's why tate didn't you know? like it <laughs> Um, Tate almost didn't come to work today. It's like <laughs> we got JJ Reddick. It was for Justin Gray. <laughs> I love yeah. Justin Gray. He is a tough time with you Yeah, I love Justin Gray. Uh no, I, I mean I dude going back to high school, I played AAU um for Boo Williams for three summers. On the seventeen and under team, I started playing with them when I was fourteen. And so I was playing against stronger better players and it just that you know i had to have which one was boo williams where did he go he went to one of those boo no boo was like boo played at st joe's in philly and yeah i was he, gonna say yeah. didn't he have a march
0: madness cup of coffee where everybody got excited about him for two days no, I, don't I vaguely remember i've watched so many march madnesses they're all starting to blend into each other no. but Do you know uh, that tate honestly believes that when coach k doesn't like his team he comes up with a fake ailment to leave the team for like two to four weeks <laughs> I've heard this. UNC fans believe I, this I've stuff. I've heard
1: this from a lot of UNC fans.
0: There's nothing like UNC versus Duke, right? There's, well, there's there really isn't. The I thing was like Yankees fans, Red
1: Sox used to be that way, yeah. but not anymore because we won. The thing with UNC fans, it always strikes me as weird. Is they have this they have this great program. They, yeah, they've got a storied tradition. They've won multiple national championships. They've had you know national players a year. Jordan went there. You know Jordan played there. And that was the big one for them. Yeah. yeah, and and yet somehow after all that time they still have this inferior inferiority complex. With, oh Tate! With Duke oh, people. Oh my God! I, uh, I cannot figure Tate's it out. Tate's changing your audio now. You know, there's it's like okay, like for Duke fans, it's like if UNC does well, like it. There's like a it bothers us a little this is, bit. I love how you're playing this, but this is <laughs> no, so great. But it, it was like. Duke's success drives UNC so crazy that they're willing to like create these conspiracy theories about Coach K. Joe, stay, stay, (laughs) stay between Tate and JJ.
0: This is great. I mean, you know, UNC's had to, they've had to to cheat a couple times to try to compete. No, I'm sorry, Tate. There's been academic scandals. (laughs)
1: That are just messing that, with tape. Did, did, did that ever get resolved? I, I, I uh, you know, you
0: gotta you gotta look the other way a
1: little bit on that stuff. Reggie Bullock was my teammate for a couple years. He said he never went to class. He he just oh never oh my god,
0: class. this is great!
1: And he played he played there oh, three okay, years. He so I'm out, not sure a stretcher. how that worked. I'm not sure how that worked. <laughs> do you
0: f- still follow the UNC Duke stuff? Like, do you do you watch the Duke games? Like a proud alumni, or you don't
1: care anymore. Uh, I'm uh, yeah, I'm a proud alumni, but I. I don't get to watch as much college basketball as I used to. Yeah, uh, I, I watch Duke games, and that's pretty much it. Uh, I got to go back to the Duke UNC game uh, a few weeks ago. It was my yeah. first Duke UNC game since I graduated. My I've only been in Cameron three times since 2006, so it was my third game in Cameron. Uh, Duke won. It was great. It was a great day. Uh, you know, went in the locker room afterwards and and I uh, gave coach K a hug and, and got to see him you know oh, the coach K JJ speech yeah was, he, he seemed <laughs> strong he seemed really strong you know it's well the, of course you you know this but the the duke hospital the duke medical staff is yeah, the best great, in the man. world yeah. so Duke's, have- <laughs> <laughs> what's the most under,
0: misunderstood thing about coach K by the general public in your opinion uh,
1: misunderstood um, well, like, give me, give me a, like a, like a, a an idea people, about Coach K that, that maybe. I think that he's an opportunist. Really?
0: That he's, tries to pretend that Duke is this bastion of academic whatever, but really they've been doing a lot of the one and done stuff that Cal Perry's done. I think that's a fair criticism. That he uses the Olympic team and his association with him as a major recruiting advantage, which it is, because if he's out with the recruit.
1: Explicitly or implicitly?
0: I think under the radar. Yeah. Okay. If he's with a recruit and the and the recruit's like Kevin Durant's my hero, my the only yeah, reason I'm I, doing this because yeah. and Coach K could be like, I have him on yeah. my cell phone. Let's call him. See, the pro- that's an advantage. See,
1: the problem with that is is that uh, UNC had a recruit a few years ago that uh, wasn't as bright, I guess, and he uh, he publicly said in like an interview, he's like, Yeah, Sean May called me the other day, and he was with so Coach Williams, and UNC got in trouble for it. They did. So that's uh, a recruiting that, evaluation. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't remember it. who the guy was. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. maybe coach K tells all the recruits, "Hey, don't don't like don't tell so, the media that I've got LeBron on the phone with you right now." So it would
0: be illegal if he did that. I mean, they probably yeah. Has he ever called you with a recruit No.
1: No. Or never never. It? No, I, you never did. No. Never. said you said call. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about text. Text? Here. Oh yeah, texting. What are <laughs> the texting roles? I've never texted a recruit. <laughs> never texted never called a recruit how
0: much longer do you think Coach K has
1: I mean he's I think he's over 70 now yeah 70 or 71 Um, but he's one
0: of those guys he always looks the same he does he's looked the same for like 40 he's like David Robinson when I
1: saw him a few weeks ago I was shocked I was expecting like he's coming off back surgery he's gonna be no he looked good he looked good. Assuming he, he had the back surgery,
0: right? <laughs> Tate's not convinced there was a back surgery. Thinks he just went to Cabo for a couple weeks.
1: Oh, uh, that's that's crazy. Do you know he- what I am going back to one of your points, though, like the one and done thing. So yeah. my my senior year, the year I was drafted 06 was the first uh year that that uh they you know they outlawed or, you know, said high school kids can't come out. There was like a four- or five-year period there where Coach was not recruiting the one-and-done guys. Yep. And, you know, they won in 10 It was with a, a really veteran team. They got kind of lucky because uh, yes. Kentucky didn't make the Final Four that year. They got knocked off in a previous round. I think that Kentucky team probably would have beat them. But... uh but he had to adjust. And so at some point, he said, okay, I'm going to start recruiting these guys. And, you know, he got Austin Rivers, he got Jabari Parker, and of course, the 2015 with Tyus Jones and, and Okafor and, and Justice Winslow. So he's adjusted. And that's kind of what college basketball is now. And I think he takes as much pride in, in having those guys for a year as he does for having guys like me or Leitner for four years.
0: Have you talked to Austin? What was Austin Rivers' experience like? Because it didn't seem like that went as great as some other team, Duke though. one.
1: Yeah. They had like six or seven NBA or guys that ended up playing in, in the NBA, and uh, they weren't very good, and they well, lost collectively the first round. Not good. Yeah, collectively yeah. not good. Um, that was it. That was an interesting group. I so I've been a Duke fan since ninety two, um, right. when when Leitner hit the shot to beat Kentucky, um, and I I kind of judge every Duke team, uh, and I'm, I'm like a I'm like a fan. I I, I you know I, I see how they interact with each other. Um, I I'm always texting Coach K, kind of getting updates on the psyche of the team or whatever. And and uh, that was just, it wasn't a good group. Just the dynamic of the group wasn't great. I knew 2015, I knew they had something. Like, I was texting Coach all season. Hey, this, you guys have a shot. You guys have a shot. know you're young. You, I know you have a shot. And uh, I was right. Well, the right. problem with
0: college basketball is because you're throwing these guys together, a lot of times they're just passing through for a year how do you know that the chemistry going to be a relationship you know? yeah. in
1: aau tournaments or right. a nike camp or something yeah
0: where do you stand on this whole grayson allen thing because once upon a time you took a lot of shit yeah
1: i never okay. i never tripped anyone well yeah I mean, that's what i was saying <laughs> People... i did throw up the shocker twice once at maryland and once at unc <laughs> after big threes but grayson allen's like he's he's more villainous like he does stuff yeah do you um, do you know him at all have you talked I do. to him i i know grayson um I got to spend a little bit of time with him uh, two falls, two Septembers ago. I was at Duke for about 10 days and got to know him a little bit. And then I talked to him last spring um, before he was kind of deciding whether or not to go to the NBA or not. Um, But like he, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. I really don't like the the trips. I don't know. The three, the three times that he, he, you know, legitimately tripped someone. I have no idea what he was thinking. I mean, it was, it was stupid. Since then, you know he the, the, anything he does now is like you know ESPN Twitter account will will send out a video, a six second video of of him like trying to walk through someone else's huddle. Like I, I haven't seen him do anything, so I think he's he's got sort of uh, a target on his back now. But he's he's smart enough that he's not going to do anything else.
0: That kind of scrutiny, if you can survive it. I would assume would be really good as a professional athlete. I'm sure it helped you. Oh, like definitely all the shit you. you went through in 05 and 06. There's nothing 06. you can
1: do like when you're 18 or 19 years old to prepare you for playing at Duke and going on the road and hearing 20,000 people literally at the same time chant fuck you, JJ. Like that's, yeah. that's a weird feeling to have as a 19-year-old. Did it mess you up? Well, my uh, first two years at Duke, yeah, it did. It did mess me up. I created a persona on the court and off the court, I went into like this deep, dark shell because I, I didn't know who I was. And you're still trying to find your identity just like any other college kid. Like, right. Who's not trying to figure out who they are at 19? Um, and and so, yeah, it took, it took a little bit of time, but I, I would say like now as an adult, like I, I don't, the shit that some NBA players worry about, what someone says on Twitter or what a media member writes about them, like, that's not even on my radar. I've, I'm, yeah. worried about, I'm worried about so much other shit besides that. So I, I think it helped me develop thick skin. Um, actually, you know what? I, there's a chance that maybe that was already like a trait in me yeah. that kind of got brought out because of the Duke experience. If that makes sense.
0: Well, I think it would have been a, even a, I don't know, a more intense experience in the social media era. Oh God! Because I'm sure for Grayson Allen, I don't know if yeah. he's on Twitter and all that stuff. But I, I don't the, think I would have, clips and stuff yeah, like that. I wouldn't
1: have made it past my sophomore year at Duke if if you would have left, media. or you would have. I would have been kicked off the team if I had done what I did. Oh, in the first you would two have. Years. Well,
0: you would think you would have gone after people on Twitter
1: and stuff. No, no. I, I just I would have gotten in trouble. Like I, you know, slow mo shots. Of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Insane. No, I mean yeah, just yeah. like off the court. Like I, my first two years at Duke, I I I, I was probably more committed to being um in a fraternity or acting like a frat kid than I yeah. was you know being a duke basketball player
0: i made so many mistakes in college and bad personal choices. Yeah. I can't even imagine what it would be like to also have that play out on ESPN <laughs> yeah. and CBS right. and all right. these different places. I was
1: worried about like what would, you know, somebody would post on like a, a UNC fan message board on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. <laughs> and uh, and now kids, man, you, you do anything. And it's it's on Twitter within five minutes and it's on ESPN within 30 minutes. Quick break to talk about Squarespace. If you have
0: resolved to take on a new challenge like starting a business, changing careers or launching a creative project in 2017, be sure to lock down your next move with Squarespace. It's used by a wide range of people and businesses, including musicians, designers, artists, restaurants. Allows you to create everything from a professional blog to a portfolio to which to showcase your work or an online store where you can officially open for business. You even get a unique domain to set you apart in your field. And with Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process. Nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And Squarespace's award-winning, 24-7 customer support can help you with any problem, no matter how technical or trivial-seeming it is. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. and our offer code BS to get 10% off your first purchase, plus a free domain. That is BS is the, is the code Squarespace.com. 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace makes make your next move and make your next website. And once again, Seekeek, since we're here, don't forget, download the SeatGeek app today or go right to seekeek.com, especially for opera tickets. If you're somebody like my mom. All right, back to JJ Redick. Uh quickly, we as we were taping this uh podcast, we're taping it Tuesday morning West Coast time, uh, It just came out that the Lakers cleaned house and promoted Magic Johnson to head of basketball operations, got rid of Mitch Kupchak, and uh, Jimmy Buss is going to step down. They got rid of some people internally, including John Black, who was like the gatekeeper there forever. Pretty surprising. Magic now is going to be running his own business. He is part owner of the Dodgers, and now he's also going to run the Lakers. Did you ever think the Clippers and Lakers would flip spots from a dysfunction standpoint? (laughs) 'Cause it, it's happened over the last five years. Dating back to the Chris Paul trade and Kobe hurting his Achilles, it's been a flip. But yet I don't feel like it's been represented in and the Lakers have way more fans in LA. I'm sure you feel that.
1: Oh, they have way more fans. But it's almost also like the Clippers won, they've also won. Like that's that's yeah, the won. biggest difference. So yeah. like if they go through a, a five year stretch like this, I mean It's yeah. Lakers it's due. Fan, yeah. No, Even 30-team no, no it's going like to happen. worried. They're always, uh, will be the Lakers at some point again. Maybe, like, was it mid-90s, like, the between Magic retiring yes. and them getting Shaq? Like, there got was, a like, a rocky. three- or four-year stretch where they weren't very good. True. It's weird
0: to me that the Clippers, like, there's times where they'll show a Clipper at Dodger Stadium and the fans will boo. Because it's very, like, if you're a Dodger fan, you're yeah. a Laker fan.
1: And they have no, there's I got, no I got two-team of, I got wind of that. Uh, Chris took his son and he they got put they put him up on the uh, scoreboard of the Jumbotron or whatever it's called at a baseball stadium. But they put him up there and he got booed. My wife and I, she was like Seven months pregnant at the time. This summer, we we went and uh, we were sitting, you know, behind the dugout, and they're, you know, in in stadium entertainment. People came over and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna we'll put you on camera and we'll put you up there." And I was like, "No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not." <laughs> I just want. I don't want anybody to know I'm here, right? I don't want to be booed. I'm just trying to enjoy the game with my wife and my future son. So yeah, no, you're not doing that.
0: Or the other move you could do is, you put you put a picture on your cell phone. And when they show you, you just show the Quipper <laughs> logo. You just kind of own it, oh, yeah. you get the you get the crowd fired a little out. bit. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll do that someday. If we ever win a
1: championship, I'll I'll do that.
0: Let's talk big picture NBA. Boogie right. Cousins trade. Mm-hmm. Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis together. I, I'm sure you have a game against them at some point this season. Wait, just as somebody who plays basketball in the
1: same league as this team, Boogie and Davis together. What was your reaction? Uh, skill wise, I think it works. Um, you know, from a, from a fit standpoint, um, I think they, they do complement each other. Yeah, um, cause both of them space the floor. I mean, and, and, and I, I don't think it's interesting. I don't think that, uh, either one has the ball in their hands for an extended period of time. In other words, they're not guys that are just going to hold the ball for 15 seconds or, you know, when people talk about like those Carmella. type of guys like like a ball dominant player, I don't think either one of those guys is that. They make quick decisions. They both shoot quick or they move it. it's one or the other. So I think I think they fit well. Um you know, I don't who who's who's their two right now? I mean, do they have any shooting? They I mean, have
0: Drew Holiday and then a bunch of hodgepodge Holiday, guys. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be a process to I it's think gonna build be, around that.
1: I don't know that it's like they're the playoff they're not they're getting the eight seed this year. I don't I don't I don't know that. I don't I don't know um I have a boogie cousin story by the way
0: I was gonna ask you if you had any boogie cousins material <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> so uh so my first son Knox yeah um was was a direct result of boogie, boogie cousins okay um my my first year in LA um it was like the 15th game of the season thereabouts and and we're playing in Sacramento and I went up for an offensive rebound and and boogie had already said something to me a couple times that game and he he gave me a little shove and uh it kind of upended me yeah so I fell and broke my wrist and uh I was out like six weeks and the next day the team left for like an extended like two-week east coast trip and I was my wife and I were really bored and uh we Guys, just were of you like, had a kid a so do you want to try to have a kid <laughs> <laughs> and so like yeah let's try and we tried for those two weeks and and then uh 10 months later we had boogie reddick was born yeah, we we did, we debated about the middle name being like Marcus or DeMarcus or something, you know. But we ultimately went with a family name. But uh, I told Bo- I told Boogie this story. I ran into him in Cabo two summers ago. Uh, yeah. at Las Ventanas, we were on vacation celebrating our anniversary. He was there with his family, and uh, and I told him the story, and he he actually he actually appreciated it. He did. Really? Yeah, <laughs> he appreciated it. He thought it was a good story. <laughs> So, but yeah, my first son is is because uh, because he gave me a cheap shot.
0: He's the best center in the league statistically. Um, when you played Sacramento, yeah. how how frightened were you of Boogie? Did you feel like you could get in his head? Like, what were some of the tactics?
1: I mean, he's just so all over the place that it's yeah. like, it's not like he's going to figure out a way to be demonstrative. Like, it's not yeah. like you're going to get in his head. Like, True. It's just that the world that, is boogie's world on the court is different from off the court. If that yeah. makes sense. Like he, he it's it, everything and everyone is against him on the court. He didn't, he, he never got along
0: with Chris Paul. That was always no, like a little no. secret feud.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, that's been established. Yeah. Who is the best non-warriors team you guys have played this year? Best non-warriors team we played this year. Um, it's funny. We, <laughs> we've beaten San Antonio twice. Yeah, um, that was weird. We played. We I pl- think because you guys are so guard heavy, and that's yeah. actually like that's a, a method yeah. to potentially beating them. Houston, we played without Chris and Blake. We've only played them once, so that's kind of tough. Um, in the East, we 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 suck against Toronto. I think we've like we're like one in seven in my four years here against Toronto. Like they yeah. just always beat us. Um, I you know the team I really like is Utah. Uh, and that's potentially a first-round matchup. Sure yeah, match I was going to say that's a three-six um, or a four-five, maybe. And we we've played them really well because we've defended them well in both games we played them. But um, their team that I look at, and I'm like, they they have the depth and the pieces. They can play a couple different ways, right? Where they could potentially make a playoff run. Hopefully, you know, it's not against us. But I like that team. I really, and I like Quinn. I mean, you know, Duke guy, of course, but uh, <laughs> I think he's one of the better coaches in the NBA.
0: There's a flexibility with them that I like yeah. that they can go big or small. That that's probably the biggest ish- issue with the Celtics right now is as the trade deadline comes. Like they have certain lineups that work, yeah. but then you know if they have to get a little bigger, they don't have the right guys yet. And that, that's something that I think is a big advantage for you guys because you can go small with multiple guards. You can go a little bigger with Blake and DeAndre. Like, you can kind of fit to whatever. opponent is which i think is valuable and honestly like with the warriors they i mean their their lineup is the best lineup but they don't have the same flexibility they had last year with bogut they don't have that one lineup where it's like we're bringing in our big dude and oh they're doing this they're slowing it down they're gonna be super physical all right we're gonna bring bogut but
1: you've been pretty high on javel mcgee lately offensively i think defensively
0: he's you know not even remotely close to bogut in yeah. any way no, shape or be bogut was a,
1: was great defensively for them i think we going j- back to boston we played you know when we played them recently on like a it was super bowl sunday we played them in boston yeah. um they didn't have bradley and uh and we didn't have chris but uh they were as good as anybody we played this year outside of the warriors oh, for sure thank you yeah they were um it was interesting because i i felt like the entire game unless it was isaiah dribbling into the paint like they just had you so spread out. Yeah, I think they shot like 40 something threes that game. Um we shot like 12. I mean, yeah. it was just they just killed us because they just shot so many threes. Um and and the way Isaiah is playing, it's they're tough, man. They're
0: tough. They've spent the last 2 years mastering that spread just spreading out and yeah. how can Isaiah get in the paint? And he's gotten better and better at it. Their shooting's a little better than it yeah. was last
1: year. Well, I think with Horford, you have to respect, like he spaces yes. the floor. He doesn't necessarily have to shoot 42% from three. Right. But be, because of the threat of his shot, he spaces the floor.
0: When when they played Utah a couple of weeks ago, they just destroyed Utah. And they took Gobert. And I think Gobert is really good. And it was one of the few times I've seen he was kind of lost. Like he's... They they were just pulling him out, trying to get him away from the rim, and it's you don't want Gobert twenty feet from the basket if you're Utah. It was the first time I was like, oh, and that's when I was thinking with you guys, like, oh, you know, this is if the Clippers meet them in the playoffs, this is something they could potentially do against Mm -hmm. Gobert that I think would be dangerous because you have multiple shooters, yeah, could put out four dudes, Um, Austin Rivers, yeah, so much maligned when he came to the Clippers, (laughs) Doc traded for his son. What's he doing? I got to admit, I wasn't a huge fan of his game for a couple of years. I think he's turned into a pretty valuable guard coming off the bench. Like I, I've been impressed. I think he's better defensively than people realize. Yeah. He's definitely an irrational confidence guy, which is good coming off the bench. But did you did you see this coming with him?
1: He's played uh, the last probably six weeks as better than I could have imagined at this point. Yeah. Um, I think at some point I could, could have seen him getting to this level. Um, he, and, and this is what makes him a good player. He believes he can be even better. Like he believes he can be an all-star. Um, people tend to forget like two years ago, three years ago, whenever we, we got him, like he was like 22 years old. Yeah. He's 24. He might've been younger. He's 24 right now. Right. Um, so I, he does still have potential. He has more room to grow, but he's, he's been one of the main reasons we've been afloat with Chris out. I mean, he's been unbelievable. It's like, I, I, I did a pod with
0: Durant two weeks ago. And we were talking about Deion Waiters and Durant was saying like, Deion Waiters honestly felt like he was the best guy in every game we played. Like <laughs> yeah. he really genuinely no, believes it. that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. not a bad quality for a bench guard because sometimes that's the guy who ends up winning game six. Right. You know, in some random road game when everybody sucks, and then it's Austin Rivers like, "I got this, guys!" <laughs> and he actually makes some threes that could also shoot you out of the game too.
1: Well, he he's he's done it in the playoffs for us. Yeah. Game six last year in Portland, him and Jamal, uh, you know, nearly nearly pulled off the upset without Chris and Blake. Yeah. Uh, game three against Houston two years ago, I think he had twenty five in game three, uh, and did the uh, yeah did the cooking thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the Harden knock off what's your take on him and doc the father-son
0: part of it is he's even a thought with the clippers that the, oh that doc is austin's dad or is it just like you're so used to him as a player i would imagine that's weird
1: yeah. of course it's weird yeah like it's if you go back to like when we were kids and like you know oh, pff, coach's son yeah yeah coach's son is pitching again you know he's one and eight on the year i don't know why he's pitching again yeah but no, it's uh, it was weird at first for sure. It was weird at first. It was it was in the back of your head. Yeah, uh, it, it couldn't be. But uh, you know, Austin has has earned his place uh, w- without a doubt. So it's not something that is even really even discussed or uh, not something I think about. So I texted you a couple of days ago. I was saying you guys were fifty to one <laughs> yeah. to win the title,
0: and it was the same odds as the Wizards. And I was like, those odds are crazy to me. Fifty to one seems that that's like a throwaway. This team has no chance, and it's like I actually think people have forgotten how much talent the Clippers have, which is a nice place to be. You're under the radar, and but when is if Chris comes back, even beginning of March, all that you have enough time to get him, get everybody back, get everybody fits their spots. Am I wrong to think? I mean, I know you're you're going to be biased on this one. Mm -hmm. This question was way too long. Am I wrong to think that the
1: Clippers? (laughs) I can't talk about Vegas odds. No, but I, I know
0: you can't talk about Vegas odds. Yeah, but, but why don't people think the Clippers are dangerous anymore? Is my long my long question that I could have asked much quicker.
1: I think the easy and the short answer is what I talked about earlier, and that's just we've been terrible against the Warriors. So I, I don't think again it comes back to that. So it's, I don't think people could envision a scenario uh, where we beat the Warriors unless Durant, Thompson, Curry, and Green are all hurt. You know, it's just, right. I, I I mean, we don't believe that, but I think most people believe like if that was, that matchup was ever happened in the playoffs, it'd, it'd be a wrap. They, they would win. Um, you know, I, I, going back to what I was saying earlier about just like evaluating our team over the last two years with the injuries we've had, like it would be great if we could have like a good six weeks of, of good health and we could sort of figure out our identity. Yeah. Because to win in the playoffs, you have to have an identity. And it, it could be anything. But we have to figure out kind of who we are as a team and how we're going to play as a Your team. Your identity to, to me great. is...
0: Yeah, I think it, I think Blake has to become one of the top 10 players in the league again. Yeah. Which is already a process that I can see happening. But you're going to need two guys playing at the highest possible sure. level
1: to beat that team. Sure. And you already like have... Like Cleveland last year. I yeah. Mean, Kyrie in the in the finals was unreal.
0: But you could slow them down the way Cleveland did. I mean, basically what Cleveland did was they just messed with the pace of the game. Everything slow, everything pick and rolls, and they kind of knocked the Warriors out of that happy-go-lucky, freed, awesome thing they had going. And all of a sudden, these games are 91 to 87 and things like that. I feel like you guys could
1: do that conceivably. Conceivably, yeah. And I think Chris is the point guard that could do it because of the way that he controls the game. it's interesting that you say that because I, I when I watch you know them play on League Pass, I'll, I'll watch a team and and you can like attack them, you know, where you're saying yeah. like oh we can score on them, and you, the, you'll get in these like high pa- high high paced like really fast games, and it'll be like fifty four to thirty eight. The team will be up in the first half. It's a home game. Crowd's yeah. going nuts. Warriors are down, and I'm thinking to myself, this is just not the right way to play them right like you're playing into their hands the more possess- if you think about it, the more possessions there are in a game the math helps them yeah it's the yeah. same thing when when miami those guys were together with with bosh and, and d wade and lebron that's yeah. what spolster figured out like we have to play at a faster pace we need to maximize as many possessions as possible where lebron d wade and bosh are involved and that's the same thing with the warriors the celtics had success against them last year with the three guards they just they
0: had Bradley and Smart to throw at Curry. Mm-hmm. It really made him work. And then Isaiah is just a weird matchup for Golden State because they don't really have the shorter point guard to kind of yeah. deal with him and yeah. they don't have the right guy. And I don't know, there's something to that too, spreading them out with multiple guards. But as you said, well, it, the more possessions you have, the math is going to work against you. Who do you guard against the Golden State? Because it seems like a lot. Clay. Sometimes Golden State's, I, yeah, I, they're I, trying to. I, I
1: guard Clay. Yeah, yeah.
0: And Clay, Game Seven, I remember, which was a great game. That was one of the better basketball games I've been to. Clay, they're posting him up against you that game, but Clay doesn't really post up that much anymore. No,
1: that, I mean that was with Mark Jackson, so they, yeah. they did sort of ISO. A little bit more. Even with Curry, they would ISO him on the on the left wing at like 18 feet. Um, yeah, they posted. I love it. I love I love Iguodala, but that that series, they like the first three games, they posted Iguodala on me like three to five times a game. I think he was like one for ten. That's great that, for you. Yeah. and yeah. So I'm thinking like you're taking possessions away from Curry and Thompson. This is great right. for us. Yeah. Um.
0: That's why he's still on TV. Curse. Yeah,
1: well, curse thing is like. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Sorry, I'm kidding. My first, first thing is, is like, you know, everything has got to kind of come out of the flow. Like, he's not going to, like, go out of his way to, like—they they, they really just don't attack matchups. It's, like, just ball movement, and then we're going to move off the ball. The yeah. thing that makes them so hard to guard is, like, you've got, you've got action on one side with Curry Thompson or Durant. Yeah. And then the other side, you've got two of those guys, too, doing weak side action. So right. the defense is always occupied. It's, yeah. really, it's really hard to guard. And on top of that, anytime you miss a shot in transition,
0: somebody's sneaking over here, somebody's sneaking over there, and they just get these 27-foot open threes that for 48 minutes you just have when, to not let happen.
1: When we played them uh, like a month ago, we played them twice in a week. So the, the the game you referred to earlier was our home game. We played them a week before that in Golden State. We got killed. uh, But in the first half, there was like two plays where – uh curry and thompson were on the wing in transition and and i was i was a guilty culprit of this too I, I ran to thompson yeah and draymond just waltzed in for a dunk or durant waltzed in for a dunk you'd almost rather have that happen than the three right i i mean you hope everybody's back but sometimes you just got to make those decisions sometimes it's so funny how the sports change like with that stuff we played, Cause in the old days they're played, just going for a layup we played san antonio I think four three or four times last year. And Pop does this all the time, but like he he'll just like this is how we're gonna play tonight. And yeah. it's totally different than the last time he played him. So right. like the first time we played him, um, I had I had a really good game. I had over twenty, but I had like fifteen in the first quarter and, and a couple of it was in transition threes. And uh so the second time we played him, he was like, Don't stop the ball. So like Chris Blake I think Jamal, like we were in transition. They, they first half, they just kept laying the ball in one on zero because it would be a two on one, and Danny Green would run out to me. It was crazy. Um, did it work? I mean, we no, we won that game too. Okay, <laughs> so,
0: so Pop wrote that one up. Okay, that yeah. didn't work.
1: But no, it's like you, you, you got to mess with that. I mean, it, especially when it's Thompson and Curry, you gotta, you gotta make those decisions. And that's ultimately like when you play them it's like a series of very difficult decisions that you have to make. It's like the, the lesser of two evils on, on nearly every possession. Uh, last thing, unicorns, <laughs> okay.
0: uh, so many unconventional young guys coming in. Who's been your favorite out of like Giannis, Jokic, Porzingis, um, Embiid? um, and any reactions to any of these guys? Cause we're in the, this is now turning into the freak generation.
1: Yeah. um, I love Porzingis, but he's, there's something amiss in New York. I think we can all agree on yes. that. And so I think that's kind of hurt him a little You're bit. You're buying this Porzingis year. stock. But I like Porzingis. Me but, too. But of the other
0: guys. You wouldn't use him just standing 25 feet from the no. basket hoping he would get the ball? He's so skilled. You might want man.
1: to post him up and well, yeah, just run the whole offense. You can offense use around him, him, him in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. It would be nice um, if the Knicks
0: figured that out at some point over the next five years. <laughs>
1: They will at some point. They will at some point. <laughs> they will at some point. Uh, Giannis, I don't watch a ton of. I mean, obviously, the way he plays is crazy. I think he, he is a unicorn, like just his his body type, yeah. his skill set. Um, and Beat is awesome. But you know, Did if you, I have you pick played between those Embiid? four in terms of who my favorite is, it'd be yeah. Jokic. Be Jokic. Yeah, there's a lot of Jokic momentum right now. <laughs> yeah, there is. Uh, there'll be backlash at some point. Did you there always see, is. But. Did
0: you see the clip of him, or the highlights of him destroying the Warriors? Yeah. He had like 17, 12, and 18, or some yeah. crazy game. And he was like Bill Walton in the 70s, like throwing these bounce passes. And... Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see the Jokic it's thing It's crazy
1: coming. to me, as good as he was <laughs> last year, that they, they, they did what they did at the beginning of the year. They wasted like 20 to 25 games trying to play him and Nurkic together. And then they... I think they benched Jokic Yeah. They for like didn't know what to for do. Like a week or two where that he was he was getting like five minutes a game. And he's their best player by far. The
0: first two first like ten days of the season, the ringers Kevin O'Connor is one of our basketball writers, yeah. it was really good. And I was like, I want you to write a Denver piece. I think they're the sleeper this year. Like go watch their games. We'll have a piece. It'll look super smart in three weeks when they become the hot young team. <laughs> and it went the other way. We wrote the piece and they immediately shit the bed for a month. Yeah. And I was watching it going, man, I, I really like this roster, but they can't figure out who should. Be. And then all of a sudden they were like, oh, you know, what? we should just play Jokic. Yeah. Just run the whole I team like, through I like.
1: I'm, I'm partial because he's my friend, but I like when Jameer's on the court too. Jameer's been incredible this I year. I like when Jameer's on the court for them. They're good. Jameer? Yeah. I think, he, he, is he a free agent? I'm not sure. Jameer might have one more
0: contract. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps
1: signing these three-year deals. It's unbelievable.
0: <laughs> when they signed the last time they got him, I think the Celtics had him and traded like, him like a salary like a dump. Yeah, yeah just to like get rid. Week. of Hey, Denver, we take Jameer yeah. Nelson. We'll give you some money. It'll help us with
1: luxury he, tax. He signed, he signed with Dallas, and then like two months later into the season, he got traded to Boston, and then like a month later, he got traded to Denver, and then he yeah, he, you know, ended up. If I ran with an Denver. NBA team. Unless I had
0: like the Chris Paul, like one of those guys, I would never spend money on point guards. I feel like the point guard surplus, like that Yogi Ferrell, I feel like there's 90 point guards who could give you minutes. And you look at like Jameer and all these guys. I would spend all my money on wings and shooters and bigger guys and just feel like I could get lucky with point guards. That
1: could just be cyclical. It could just be how the game is played now. Like point guards now are different than... Not not your Isaiah's and your magics, but you know, twenty years ago, I mean Charlie Ward was like a an above average starting point right. guard.
0: it's totally flipped.
1: It's not. I there's mean, reasons for this. Like yeah.
0: this year's draft, there's another There's like going to be five more good point guards coming yeah. in the league, like elite
1: guys. Yeah, and it's almost like the so like even at my position when I was coming out like eleven yeah. years ago, you know I was like an undersized two. When I'm six four. Like you know that's that position now most guys are 6'3 or 6'4 I hate four. the size thing I never so understood that it's like that. all these really all these guys that were like tweeners the undersized guys are now just there's just ball dominant point guards I
0: can't source. even believe that's a conversation anymore because of you no, and Avery Bradley yeah, and yeah. Isaiah and Draymond it's like
1: why do we the care if somebody's an matter. inch too short it doesn't matter
0: one thing I was thinking with point guards though and I, I it's just a theory I, I haven't really looked into this for 20 hours but I wonder like you have 25 years of AAU right the best position if you're playing aau you want to be the point guard because you, you have the ball the guard, all the yeah. time yeah so the better athletes the dads or the coaches or whatever they're just putting him at point guard because that's the guy who controls everything I think and now that, i wonder if there's yeah. the, if that we're seeing the fruits
1: of that now i think that's actually a really good theory it could be i, really do I don't
0: know. know if it's true cuz even like, like
1: when you when you or at least when i was you know in high school or you know when i still paid attention to uh to scattering reports of high school players like when there's a there's a, a big with potential let's say um you know they you'll make a comment they just don't get the ball that often like the right. bigs don't get the ball it's miserable in, in in aau and uh and if i also think guys that are guards and maybe are six two and not seven feet like you're just more coordinated at that position okay. so you're able to develop your skill set a little bit more so you know could be just a little bit of gladwell's you know ten thousand hours where those guys just have the ball in their hands more at a young age and but that's another know, five, reason 10 years later they're 22 tw- you know 25 years old and they're they're great
0: that's another reason why the big guys can shoot threes now i'm convinced It's so they're they're why post up you're not going to get the ball but if you shoot threes you in have AAU a chance to get the saying, yeah AAU so and the like big, coming up yeah, big guys like this this is better for me. I'll get more shots if I could shoot threes they just start practicing all yeah. the time but like you look at uh, you're not watching a ton of college but Markel Fultz on Washington who's yeah. probably gonna be I've the number one I mean, pick I, yeah. so in a different generation he's Allen Houston Yeah. you know he's this guy he's really good he's a good three point shooter but he's really good like 15 to 20 feet he's got this little yeah. gets his spot he shoots high over his head and it's Allen so Houston like, he's bigger right yeah he's bigger he's got yeah. size he can get to the rim He's a two guard 20 years ago, and now he's a point guard. And, you know, if you look at the, like the Celtics, like they would just play him at the two guard, but he has that point guard resume. And I, it seems like that's where all these guards are going. I don't know if there's specialists like like you back in the where you're like, that guy's a two guard. All right. That guy running my—and that's why Malik Mock is so interesting to me. That's why you need to take him under your wing. Just get like 2%. <laughs> oh,
1: I forgot one more thing.
0: Is KG really around the team? Yeah, he's, he's around the team. Yeah,
1: but he's doing this. He's not just doing this for us. He's yeah. around some other teams too. But you,
0: KG, I mean, there's no bigger character in the last yeah. 20 years in the league.
1: Yeah. So he was he was with us on this last uh, road trip we did. Oh he came, no, really? He came to like three of the cities. Yeah, he came to three of the cities, and um, I guess it was it was Charlotte. Yeah, I was in Charlotte after practice, and me and him just were like in the weight room together, and uh, he starts doing me all KG these, stuff. Yeah, just it's very cagey stuff. I'm looking at our strength coach like, are you listening to this right now? Like, this is where he told me like you need to you need to take young guys under your wing and charge them $25,000 for a week. I'd love that. He also told me that um He's like, you know, how do you think Beyonce is in such great shape? I'm like, uh, I don't know. It's like one time I saw her working out. She was doing her dances, and she was singing while she was dancing. So then I'm thinking to myself, maybe I should run and sing at the same time. So in the off seasons, I would go to Malibu. I'd go down to the beach, and I'd run to the beach, and I'd be like, la, 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 while I'm, while, I'm, while I'm running. So then when I get on the court, I'm getting back on defense. I'm talking on defense. I don't get tired. And I'm like, okay, there's, some, maybe, there's maybe something there. But he also he told me some other stuff too. Like, he told me like after the first game of a back to back, so in between games, that I should go run on a treadmill for 30 minutes and that I should, uh, I should lift weights. So, I mean, I, KG, if you're listening, I'm sorry I'm giving away your secrets, but like, I just I don't know if that's for me. So, KJ would, KG would play a game and go lift. Go lift and, and then run play on the, the, the treadmill, treadmill and well, play the next Well, he said, day. he said, he said worm. He saw worm run on the treadmill one, one time. But he's like, you know, you have, you got to play like worm where you're like running around. You're an energy, energy guy. So it might benefit you. Wow. I wanted to say, I'm pretty sure worm was on something. That's why he was able to do that. Right. <laughs> 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 he was flying. <laughs> yeah. Do
0: they talk about uh, the Celtics at all? KG and Paul? Any war stories? Any Rondo? Nothing? No, get that for the next podcast. Get right. some more stories.
1: Yeah, those guys. I mean, they kind of go off in their little corner and they're they're chatting to each other. But we haven't we haven't heard any. Uh... Paul hitting that three was amazing in it Boston. Was. It was. It
0: was. It was like secretly a super high pressure three. The crowd's calling for him for the whole corner. Yeah.
1: He comes in. Hadn't played it's since the first cold. three minutes yeah. of the game. That's a
0: hard shot. It was almost it like is. a fan getting called in to hit a half court would shot. Would have
1: been. Would have been like a total dick move if Isaiah because Isaiah Thomas was like the closest defender. He just jumped at him. <laughs> he just like tried to strip it or jumped at him. You know who ran done him that? off the line? Marcus
0: Smart would have done that. He probably Marcus doesn't give
1: shit. He probably would have. Yeah, he would have done anything. He J. gave G. me a Real. nice shiner, man. He I got seven stitches from that game. Marcus L. Marcus. Me. Oh, o- yeah, that's right. Me in the eye. Yeah. I just got my stitches out a couple days ago. You well, know, the
0: Celtics fans, Marcus is like our dude. I know. That's our guy. I know. He's a fighter, man. I know. You would when, when you play the Celtics, you're like, oh shit, I got Marcus smart. I gotta deal with him today.
1: I respect guys like that. Yeah. He's good. He's he plays fighter. hard every night.
0: Um well I hope the trade deadline, I hope you get out of it intact. Thank you, man. I want to see this Clippers team stay together.
1: I would like to as well.
0: And then, uh, and then we can keep talking during the uh, during the season. I'm here if you need. All right. podcasts podcast, talk about shit. Could JJ do. Reddick, thank you. Thank you. Thanks to JJ Reddick. Thanks to SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor. Don't forget SeatGeek, buy and sell tickets on your phone in just two taps. Everything is fully guaranteed. It is by far the easiest way I found to shop for the best tickets. Thanks to their revolutionary grading system. Download the SeatGeek app today or go right to com, and please check out The Ringer this week we are in our sweet spot with the NBA a lot of trade deadline stuff a lot of good columns about the Boogie Cousins trade The Ringer NBA show is going to be humming every day this week and uh and the trade deadline I guess that's going to be my Friday column if something happens I assume something is going to happen with all these chess pieces and uh and don't forget Clippers 50 to 1 in case you love ongoing gambling nice, nice little sneaky thing JJ has no comment uh we're back Uh, we have two more podcasts coming this week on Wednesday and Friday that are good ones so until then